The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for being with us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think we'll be bringing you a pretty good show here. Our first guest, no stranger to anyone in racing at all, and that is Hall of Fame jockey John Velasquez will be with us. Of course, uh, Johnny V, as he's known, uh, is making a comeback after a spill in the Breeders' Cup Phillies Juvenile. Uh, the injury was more serious than they thought. He actually had to have his spleen removed, and he just uh, returned to the winner's circle, as we announced on Winning Ponies last week. So it's good to have Johnny V back in the saddle. Of course, uh, just a legendary career. He has set record upon record. Uh, he's got a Kentucky Derby in his pocket, uh, numerous Breeders' Cup wins, and it'll be interesting to hear the story of his return to the saddle. I believe it was the most extended vacation uh, he'd ever had. So uh, he's going to be returning to the saddle, and he's going to have a few picks of some horses in the Triple Crown, according to the uh, entries uh, that uh, trainer Todd Pletcher made. So uh, Johnny V will be our first guest. And before, uh, I mean, after that, we're going to have Steve Anderson. Uh, he's the, one of the West Coast Daily Racing Form columnist, and uh, he just came out with a great story on Game on Dude, who is going to post for the first time this season in the San Antonio, grade two, $300,000, and uh, he certainly is a horse for the course, nine starts at San Anita, seven victories, has won over $1.4 million. and the distance, a mile and an eighth, man, does he like that, has won seven of ten for over $2 million in winnings. It's good to see an old war horse sticking around. We don't see many of the John Henrys, the Forgoes, or the Kelsos, but Baffert has certainly kept game on dude on his toes. When you look at his past performances in the racing form, uh, he has more 100-plus buyers than he has 90s by a long shot. So, uh, again, we'll be talking with both Johnny V and Steve Anderson as the as the show comes up. All right, let's take a look at uh, happenings in the news this week. As I said, Todd Pletcher set a new record with a record-shattering 42 talented horses that will be nominated to the Triple Crown. Uh, of course, uh, he's headed up by unbeaten champion Shared Belief and the stakes winner's honor code and Cairo Prince. Well, it's got to be a tough spot. Certainly, uh, he's going to make some owners happy and some owners sad, but unbelievable. 42 
in the early noms to the Triple Crown. Now, a total of 413 were nominated, and that's the highest since 2009. Of course, the Derby uh, starts uh, on May 3rd, and then we go on May 17th, where you will have the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes this year run at June 7th. So, uh, of course, Pletcher has three Triple Crown victories to his credit, but the number of horses that he has eligible to Triple Crown compromised 10.2% of the early nominations. Unbelievable. Uh, other horses uh, prominent uh, among the Pletcher nominees are uh, uh, Havana, and We Miss Artie, uh, anchored down Matterhorn Hartford. It's going to be very interesting that uh, those stallions will be running against a couple fillies, possibly in the Stop Charging Maria and Only for You two fillies from the Pletcher Barn that were nominated. So um, you can go online and, and see the other horses that were nominated, but it should be interesting. There are uh, uh, 359 Colts. 30 geldings and 10 ridgelings as far as the uh, the boys are concerned. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Uh, the Kentucky Derby future wager, you can get on board with that starting today, 6th, 7th, and 8th, the Kentucky Derby future. Of course, uh, odds maker Mike Battaglia that's been with us on Winning Ponies several times, uh, he ranks uh, Cairo Prince. The uh, unbeaten champion shared belief and honor code is the most attractive individual horses featured in this week's second pool of the 214 Kentucky Derby Future Wager. So check that out at a racetrack or a simulcasting uh, center near you. Now, the 7-5 to morning line favorite, I didn't name them because it's all others. Of course, with the point system, you don't know who's going to jump up and get in the derby field. So Mike put at 7-5, to five, the morning line favorite, all others favored over the 23 individual horses that you can wager on in the interest for the future pool. Uh, so uh, good luck, and I wish you luck. Obviously, you're, you're going to be getting uh, uh, better odds if you bet early. And I wish you best of luck. It'll be interesting to see who pops up on May 3rd, that first Saturday in May. Well, uh, if you're looking for racing on TV, um, the Jockey Club Tour on Fox kicks off this Sunday with the Don Handicap. Is uh, Will Take Charge is going to head up the Grade 1 Don. It's going to be a 90-minute on Fox Sports 1 from 5 until 6.30 Luckily, they're also going to be able to cover the Grade 1 Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap and the final career start by the popular two-time champion, Groupie Doll. will be rooting her on, of course, uh, her trainer, uh, Buff Bradford, has been with us here on Winning Ponies. What a great guy. So that's going to be the Jockey Club Tour on Fox. Uh, also, if you watch CNBC's Secret Lives of the Super Rich, they're going to go behind the scenes at the Fazig Tipton Saratoga sale and look at some of the people with deep pockets up there. And I don't know if you've been watching the series or not. It's on a uh, network called the um, 
Esquire Network. It's called Horse Players. Very interesting. Michael Bajak is uh, one of the the principals in there. Of course, he's been on with us several times. I'm going to try to get him on next week. Uh, This Tuesday, they're going to get on this guy. It was very interesting last week. They call him Kevin Cox. He's a big better known as the Brooklyn Cowboy, and he's easy to find. Uh, he's about six foot two, and he wears a white cowboy hat. <laughs> um, something new for you is the America's Best Racing app, uh, which you can get. Uh, the Jockey Club and Equibase just today announced the release of America's Best Racing app for iPhone, Android, where you can get replays. Uh, plus full charts and paramutual payoffs of all graded stakes races, including the Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup for the current year, as well as graded stakes races going back to 2010. And the other thing is, if you don't have one of those phones, you can also uh, download the 2014 America's Best Racing app at iTunes and play.google.com. Uh, so uh, you can also go to America's Best Racing and Equibase.com. So it'll be a pretty neat place to go and uh, get uh, your handicapping visuals before betting some of the graded stakes races. So it's good to see more racing on TV for sure. Um, now, of course, the big race this week is going to be the Don Handicap Um uh, uncaptured and neck and neck will be among the outsiders going up uh, the likes of Will Take Charge and Revolutionary, Leah, and River Seven. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a very competitive race. So a lot of the headlines kind of go into Will Take Charge, and, and rightfully so. Some of these other horses are taking a little bit of a step up, but uh, Will Take Charge looks like he is uh, on point uh, as far as the uh, the turf handicap that's also going to be on the card right now. Only six horses have been confirmed, but don't forget, you can also watch Groupie Doll. Well, Verrazano is going to stay in training, but is going across the pond. That's right. One of the best three-year-olds in America last year has been transferred to the barn of Aiden O'Brien. And uh, Dermot Ryan explained the decision was being the, the best son of More Than Ready, who's doing so well as a sire in Australia that a European campaign would raise his profile when the time comes for him to shuttle there. So uh, Todd Pletcher was the trainer of Verrazano. He won five races by nearly 39 lengths in 2013. So he's going to uh, get his headlines over in Europe. Again, uh, Groupie Dolls working towards her career finale down there. It'll be in the Hurricane Birdie on Sunday. And then when that is over, she's going to be sent to be bred to the Gainesway Farm Stallion Tappet. And to try to make sure that uh, they've got a competitive field, Gulfstream Park Management uh, added $50,000 to the race. So what was going to be a $150,000 race is now up to 200000 Again, I'm wishing best of luck to Buff Bradley and all the people associated with Groupie Doll. Just a class act all around from new owner Mandy Pope uh, to Buff and his staff. So uh, it'll be a great day to be watching the races down in at Gulfstream Park. Now, uh, last week uh, we did uh, handicap races from coast to coast at Aqueduct. 
I handicapped with Evan Hammonds of the Blood Horse, and we pretty much we said that the Withers, uh, which does have Kentucky Derby points, uh, is going to be a two-horse race, and it looked like the two-horse race was going to be two New York breads, and that's exactly what happened. Uncle Cy and Sam Rat hooked up. Uncle Cy had the slight lead to the turn, and then Samarat pulled away. They were both bet down to even money, and now Samarat is now 4-4-4. Four, four, four. And Uncle Cy held on for second, and the, the long shot that Evan liked in there at 15-1, to one, Scotland got the third spot. Then down to Tampa Bay Downs, we went to the Sam F. Davis. Now, this doesn't have points for to get you in the Kentucky Derby, but it does offer a million-dollar bonus if you come back and run in the Tampa Bay Derby on March 8th. I do believe that does have points, and you end up winning the Kentucky Derby. So uh, they're hanging uh, something out there for you to come back, a million-dollar bonus at Tampa Bay. In the Sam Davis, it was Vinceramos. Another Todd Pletcher trainee, nice ride by Edgar Prado, off at 12-1, to 1, beat the favored stablemate Harpoon, who looks like he's got a lot of upside. He put in a huge finish while wide. Third spot in there was Cousin Steven. Now, again, the Sam F. Davis at Tampa Bay Downs. And then we went out west, the Las Virgenies at Santa Anita. Uh, veteran Gary Stevens Put him to sleep, wire to wire from flagfall to that's all, and only the fourth start. Again, these horses got Kentucky Oaks points, so Fashion Place gets the top spot in the Oaks points that day. Streaming, who was the even money favorite, was second. Put in a solid close, but could not pass Fashion Plate. And uh, in the third spot, it was Arthusa, if I'm pronouncing that right. And the final race that we handicapped, was the Arcadia at Santa Anita. It was grade two, and the winner in there was number nine, winning prize, Rafael Bejarano, rated in second, urged winning prize, the Argentinian bred horse, through the lane and got the top spot over Tom's Tribute, who was off a bit slow, and in the third spot was number five, Regally Ready. And I am Regally Ready for one of the class acts in all of Thoroughbred Racing, and that's a chance to talk to Hall of Famer John Velasquez. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to be back with Johnny V. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of the most popular riders in the sport, John Velasquez, uh, who he hails from, from, from Puerto Rico. Uh, the list of his accomplishments go on and on. I don't know where to start. Um, he's ridden more than 4,000 winners. In, in 2004 and 2005, he was the U.S. champion jockey by earnings. Uh, he was voted the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey in 2004, uh, 2005. Then he's won some uh, very good uh, personal awards, the Bill Shoemaker Award, and uh, in 2006, he was elected to the Puerto Rico Horse Racing Hall of Fame, another uh, great award that's voted upon his peers is the George Wolf Memorial Award. Uh, He won that back in 2009, and then uh, back in October, he became the all-time leading money winner among North American jockeys going past Pat Day. Again, I could read his accomplishments and the racing greats that he's ridden, but this show's only an hour long, so I'm going to move on. John Velasquez, how you feeling? I'm great. Thank you very much. Um, I was reading, you know, following the stories of, of your comeback, and I understand that when you when you took your first mount back at Gulfstream Park, you were met with kind of a warm round of applause. Yeah, it was. It was very nice of the people coming in. You know, I'm walking out uh, of the, uh, into the paddock, and then I was walking out with the horse and into the racetrack, and uh, the fans were very nice and uh, very very well received, you know, from from the fans. So I was very pleased with that. Well, uh, John, if you would for us, uh, can, can, let, let's rewind to your early days in racing. Um, were you introduced to racing uh, through family, through friends? Was there a Puerto Rican jockey school? Was, was Angel Cadero Jr. A, a sports icon hero of yours? Tell us about your early days. Yeah, um, I grew up around horses, but not, not uh, around the racetrack. So, you know, nothing like, uh, well, anyway, I didn't have any family or anybody who knew anything about the racetrack. And I met a jockey in Puerto Rico, uh, Julio Garcia, and uh, a friend of mine uh, always was hanging out with him, and that was my introduction to the racing, basically. And I started following uh, horse racing in Puerto Rico, and then uh, I, through uh, uh, an uncle of mine, uh, I met a jockey agent in Puerto Rico who introduced me to the, ra- the racetrack and uh, got me into the jockey school. That was my introduction to uh, horse racing. 
Now, you were born in 71, and when I was a young kid, my brother worked at Saratoga, and Angel Cadera Jr. was, you know, the tops of the tops up there. Um, was he considered a, a, a national hero in Puerto Rico? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and once once I, I got introduced to, to the racetrack in Puerto Rico and, and found out about racing, and then uh, you start watching, and uh, he definitely was an idol in Puerto Rico. And, uh um, everywhere, obviously, but uh, uh, but he definitely a special uh, special person in Puerto Rico, and uh, everybody looked up to him. Well, uh, n- now you 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 rode your your first uh, winner back in uh, in 1990 uh, at uh, El Nuevo Comandante, if I'm saying that right. Tell me about yes. your your move to uh, to the U.S. and, and how you met uh, Angel Cadero. Well, my um, agent in Puerto Rico is a very good friend with Angels for many, many years. Um, and, and right from the beginning when I got my license, uh, right after uh, the school, he always thought that if he had the opportunity to come to the, to the States, uh, would I take the opportunity? I said, definitely. You know, I would, I would love to, uh, uh, you know, branch out somewhere and, and learn somewhere. And uh, uh, it just happened like a, a couple of months later, uh, two months later, actually, to be exact, Angel went to Puerto Rico to buy some horses for Mr. Dutro. Uh, senior, and I got to meet him there, you know, and uh, Angel's obviously being friends with my agent down in Puerto Rico. We went to meet him, and we asked him, you know, to, to see if he was a possibility for me to come to New York with him, and, and he asked if we had spoken English. I said no, and it was still cold, and he said, well, I don't know, I mean, it's still cold. Uh, you don't speak the language. It's going to be really hard for you, and plus uh, there were a couple of apprentice writers in New York at the time. They were doing really, really well, and he said it's going to take you a lot of time to try to break through and get opportunities over there. So anyway, we give him, we give him uh, one of my tapes, uh, that I, some races that I had one in Puerto Rico, and he took it with him. He was watching the races on, uh, at his house one day, and then with a friend of his, um, Richie Allen, the, the baseball player, ex-baseball player, and they were looking at the, uh, the races, and then said, well, this kid has, looks like has, has some talent, and, and Angel says, yeah, he wants to come over here to New York. He's like, Angel, you got to bring him. And Angel says, yeah, but I don't have an agent for him. I don't have anything. He doesn't speak the language. And it's like, and Alan said to him, so we bring him over. I'll be his agent. And uh, that was my introduction to New York. I mean, he called in the next day, so I sent the kid up. <laughs> and the next week I was in New York. So it was very fast and very quick, and I was very glad that I actually took the, you know, that I had the opportunity to come to New York and, and, and live with Angel. Uh, so uh, made a lot, of, you know, very easy to to come to the states. John, it, it must have been unbelievable the amount of as good as you were. Obviously, they they saw your raw talent, but it must have been unbelievable to be able to be tutored by one of the best ever. What was that like? Oh, it's incredible! I'll tell you what. I mean, it would have taken me so much longer uh, for me to uh, to learn. Uh, if you will, you know, the right way. Because when I came into New York, the first thing Angel said to me, so forget about what you learned in Puerto Rico. We're going to start from scratch, and we're going to learn the way we do it here, though, you know. So different styles of learning, different styles of, of racing, um, different mentality uh, overall, I, I would uh, just said. Um, so it, it was great to have him then, and especially I lived with him when I came here. So I was, I was watching races. I was riding with him. I, you know, I was coming home and working out with him on the, on the equitizer. So I was learning very quickly, and uh, it was unbelievable, you know, for for me just to come from Puerto Rico and, and come with left with him alone, and they took me like I was one of his, their families, 
a family member, and then you know, uh, teach, teaching me all the 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 ropes, if you will, you know, going going to New York and learning with with all those those riders in New York, it was, I mean, it was incredible. It was a, a dream come true. Huh. That, that, that's a fantastic re- relationship. Well, uh, let me move your career forward a little bit. Almost every jockey that I know will say he'll be at an airport or somewhere, and somebody will come up and they'll get in conversation. And once they find out they're a jockey, the first question they ask him is, have you ever won the Kentucky Derby? Obviously, yeah. you won a lot of great races on the way to that. But how different was it on that first Saturday of May back in 2011 when you crossed the wire first on Animal Kingdom? Uh, incredible. It's like you said, you know, no matter where, where you go, uh, you know, it's even abroad. You know, when I, tra- I travel a lot abroad and out of the country. So uh, the first thing they, they ask you, uh, are you, have you been in the Derby or have you won it? You know, um, so it's incredible just to have opportunity to be there, be in the Derby and compete in all these years, and a successful career that I have had so far in not winning the Derby, uh, it was like a, a big a big release, if you will, you know, it's like something very special just happened to me, and in, and at and, and the same time, very surreal, I, I didn't really believe it that it actually happened to me, uh, so it's definitely a, a feeling that uh, it's hard to explain, and uh, when it happens to you, you, you don't really believe it, uh, so definitely a, a very, very special, and no words to describe it. Well, there, there's very few human beings in, in the world that can. Now, um, this, this, this last year, you've been through a lot of changes. Uh, after the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, um, you went down. Obviously, you, you being a 40-some-year-old rider, you've had your share of spills over the years. Did you realize it was as bad as it turned out to be? No, actually, I, 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 was, I, mean, I was hurt, but I, I never thought that I was Badly hurt, you know. I was, I was something wrong with me, but I, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I, I, pro- I thought that I, I might had uh, traps and ribs, and and I was concerned. More, actually, I was concerned more about my knee. The knee, my knee was hurting me pretty bad, um, and I thought I definitely did something to to my knee. And not even thinking what happened to my ribs, you know, I just felt the pressure and my stomach and my ribs. Um, but never said, never thought that anything was wrong with me, you know, internally. Um, apparently when they took my blood pressure, my blood pressure and everything, the paramedics kind of knew that something was going on with me and they started putting, you know, they cut all my clothes off and started putting IVs and on the arms and, uh, kind of getting prepared, preparing me going to the, to the hospital. And it's a hospital right next to the racetrack, I'm um, tall anyway. And then they decided to go to the, to the trauma center, you know, and then they, they told us, so, you know, that we, we were going to go 10 minutes away. It was going to be a little farther, but it was going to be a better hospital. And they made the right call. I mean, I, yeah. you know, once I got to the, to the hospital, I had like 10 people working on me right away. Uh, x-rays went on and the same room that I walked in, they came in with the sonogram machine that was done there as well. Uh, so they knew right away that something was wrong with me. Uh, they just couldn't tell how bad it was. Uh, so I was sent to get a CT scan. As soon as I came out of CT scan, they, they knew that it was, uh, badly damaged internally. I was bitten, uh, through the, um, Explain my kidney and uh, and my pancreas. Uh, so it was severely uh, damaged internally. Um, so they were talking to my wife and they said that the father was losing so much blood, they probably need, needed to uh, do some uh, blood transfusion to me. And uh, definitely I was going to need a surgery, but they didn't know uh, how quickly I, need, I was going to need the surgery. Um, but uh, they definitely thought that if they could put some blood in me and then try to go. Uh, with two little holes in each side and try to repair my my internals, 
so they will be fine. And it didn't happen like five minutes later. Uh, they had a rush. They had a rush into me. Uh, some blood. They did a, uh, an emergency blood transfusion, and then from there, they had to rush me to the OR. So it was pretty, uh, pretty scary, uh, scary moments at the time. Though, and I was awake to all of this, so I knew exactly what was happening until uh, my body was just kind of getting limp and lifeless, if you will. But I was aware of everything what was happening. Uh, so well, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary. Well, we're, we're certainly happy to have you back. Now, uh, obviously, we kept up with you. We're, everybody was waiting for your comeback. But, you know, I, I've seen you in social situations. I've seen you at different racetracks. You, you're a great family man. Well, was the time off beneficial in that regard? You know, yes. I, I say yes. You know, things happen for a reason, I think. You know, and obviously with uh, how busy we get and traveling everywhere and everything. Uh, and, I mean, I didn't get to do very much. Obviously, I couldn't move. I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, especially the first three three weeks, four weeks after the accident, I had to stay put in one place uh, with my complications with the pancreas and stuff like that. So I had to watch all of that for very carefully. But anyway, but all the time that I had with my family was worth worth it, you know. And I spent a lot of time with the kids, you know, uh, day in day and day out. Uh, we went to different places and we went to eat and we went to. Uh, uh, you know, little places that I don't get to go and, and things that they do that I miss a lot. So it was definitely worth, worth it. You know, I vacation uh, that I didn't uh, didn't really want it to. Obviously, you don't want a vacation like that. But you know what? I, I take it as, the, uh, you know, as it comes. And uh, I think uh, it was really well taken uh, and, and, and for, the, for the kids as well. Well, probably during some of that time, you had, you had a chance to put some more efforts. I know that you're you're an official uh, with with the Jockeys Guild, and uh, you guys just several weeks ago had your meeting down there in Florida. Uh, for my listeners out there, what are some of the most important things they need to know uh, about the the current concerns of the Jockey Guild and the things that you guys are doing for the benefit of the upcoming riders? Well, I know that's a long yeah, question. Yeah. I've only got two minutes, yeah. but. That, exactly. That, that's, that's a long question. But let's just to make it short, you know, the most important for us is safety. You know, that's the most, the most important thing. And we have doctors and we have all, all the people coming to talk to the jockeys and especially with, with, with the headlines everywhere with the concussion things. So, you know, and, and we have a lot of jockeys um, having concussions and a couple of the riders in New York had to retire because of uh, injuries. So that was one of the main topic, topics that we had to, you know, uh, kind of make awareness or everything and, and try to make safety uh, paramedics and the and and the uh, and the racetracks. It saved my life having a paramedic and the racetrack, so that's really important. Um, and get, get those are the very basics that we're asking for, though. You know, and other things that we like to we like to be uh, looked at, like with the industry, we like to be a partner, a partner to the industry. We we like to be a partnership to promote the game, to do the best things that we can we can grow our game. Uh, the things that we do ask is the very basic stuff and basically the things that I was saying before, but uh, the industry needs to start calling, coming around and look, look, look up, to, up to the jockeys like a partnership, not, not as, a, as their, opposed, their position, if you will. Well, the horses can't talk, so we de- we depend on class acts like you to uh, to do the talking for our sport. And all I can tell you, John Velasquez, uh, you're an outstanding ambassador of racing. I'm so happy you're back in the saddle, and I wish you nothing but the best and look forward to you to being back in the winner's circle on one of those first Saturdays in May. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
All right, we've been talking with Hall of Famer John Velasquez. What a privilege that was. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to go back with one of the top writers from the West Coast, Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. With me right now, he was with us, uh, oh, probably about six months ago, I'm going to guess. I called out to Steve Anderson because there were a bunch of good races out on the West Coast. But like D. Wayne Lucas, he's a guy that started out with the quarter horses, and uh, that's where his background is. Uh, he grew up in Dallas, uh, joined the Dallas Morning News, and then finally came over to the other side. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's been working with... Um, with uh, thoroughbreds and a correspondent for basically Southern California for my favorite Bible in the world, the daily racing form. He also does some international race writing. Steve Anderson, good to have you on board. Thank you very much. It's a fun weekend to look forward to at, uh, at Santa Anita in Southern California with three major races. And uh, believe it or not, we actually had some rain in Southern California this afternoon uh, for the second time since Christmas. Very interesting. We'll see if it tightens up the track. Well, um, one thing that brought you, you, you your your name to the top this week, guys. Uh, of course, I'm perusing the form. Is you wrote a really nice story uh, on Game On, dude. And I commented earlier on the show that uh, sad to say it, it's it's few and far between that we get to see the John Henrys, the Forgoes, and the Kelsos of our game. And Game On Dude kind of kind of brings that back to the sport. And I, I thought you did a good job of uh, uh, highlighting his accomplishments. Obviously, you've probably been covering this horse since he had different trainers. Uh, just if you, if you would, can you paraphrase what your story was about this week? 
Of course. You know, it's a, it, he's a remarkable horse. He's won 15 of 29 starts and earned more than $5.7 million, but there's one thing missing. He doesn't have any championship titles. He, he's, he hasn't got that Horse of the Year title they've coveted so much. He's come up to the Breeders' Cup Classic over 2012 and 2013 as the favorite for the race with everything to play for and gotten beat, and then they've rightfully given Wise Dan the title of Horse of the Year over the last two years. Game One Dude could have won it on the racetrack, but he hasn't done so. So now they're coming up to the 2014 season, starting it the same way that they have the past few years with the San San Antonio Stakes at Santa Anita on Saturday. It's a race that he's won very easily over the last uh, two years, and he's trying to become the first three-time winner of that grade two race. So it's back to square one for Game On Dude with high expectations that his 2014 season will be as comprehensive as last year when he earned $2.5 million. And will he, uh, should he win this and then win the Hollywood Gold Cup, will that uh, reach another threshold? Well, actually, interestingly enough, uh, he would be the first three-time winner of the San Antonio. And then the San Anita Handicap on March 8th has several two-time winners, but no three-time winners. So okay. that would be a milestone. But he's also got a little bit of a, a standard to set in the big cap because in the big cap last year he won by seven and three-quarter lengths, a record-winning margin. So not that if he won by eight lengths it'd make much of a difference, or if he only won by seven and a half it'd make much of a difference. The point is is that last year's Santa Anita Handicap performance was one of the finest of the year for any horse. Well, uh, when when I look at uh, at the San Antonio, and I guess we'll we'll talk about this uh, uh, for a little while before we get on to a couple of other other races we wanted to handicap. Um, I, there is no other horse in the field. God bless him. I think he just got a better trifecta in here. That there's there's no other horse in the field that even shows a 100 buyer. Uh, you know, I, I guess he's probably a horse that people have been dodging on the West Coast forever. He absolutely loves Santa Anita. Nine starts, seven victories, over 1.4 million, and a mile and an eighth. You know, he's seven for ten. Um, yeah. when, I, when I look at him and I look this field, i got to think, the only fly in the ointment, because he's been off since uh, the Clark handicap, uh, could be, and I'm reaching here, would be Blue Skies and Rainbows, uh, who's a, a five-year-old who seems to be on his game with, uh, with his return and the Native Diver and the San Pasquale. Just wondering uh, your read on that. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Actually, Blue Skies and Rainbows might have a big role in the race because he could take the lead away from, from Game on Dude. And while Game on Dude has won from off the pace uh, in the past where he wasn't in front, most notably in the uh, awesome against stakes at Sandy in 2012, and more recently in the Charlestown Classic last April in West Virginia, his best races are when he's allowed to just rumble along in front, setting his own pace and kind of challenging the other runners to come and get him. And uh, Blue Skies and Rainbows could be the uh, horse who who makes Game 1 do catch somebody who's, who's quite capable of carrying that. You know, uh, Blue Skies and Rainbows was, was second in the Breeders' Cup Marathon over a mile and three quarters in November. That was the last time he was beaten, and uh, he looked like a winner that, 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 that day, but he got caught late. Well, uh, so you know, and then he's come back. He's, he's, he's had back-to-back wins. Certainly he's in Hall of Fame. Fans <laughs> and Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, you know, it's just amazing that both he and Bob Baffert, who trains Game On Dude, are, are training at a 26 and 27% clip. To think that one out of every four horses these guys send to post comes away a winner. Yeah, they have been really the dominant two trainers that they at both the highest level and the maiden special weight races and, and many other levels as well. And their, their stables are... Are really in good form right now. You wonder if that'll continue. 
we haven't seen the same level of success from a trainer like John Sadler so far at this meeting, who typically does have a high percentage of winners, but uh, that could easily change over the course of the next little while. But uh, no, Hollendorfer and Baffer right now are going great guns, and there's no reason to think that uh, they won't have big big chances in major races this weekend as well. Well, that's good. That's going to be run as the uh, fifth race at, at Santa Anita. Again, the San Antonio is a grade two. Uh, carries a $300,000 purse. So uh, what we're going to do, so I can give my friend Steve a break. By the way, folks, he's so nice to come on with me tonight because I know he's fighting the flu. So I'm going to give him a chance not to talk for a while. And uh, if my producer's uh, still listening, uh, we're going to go to a little bit of an early break, give you a chance to have a little tea and honey. And when we come back, I'd like your perspective on uh, the, the the three-year-olds out on the West Coast this year. Some we've seen, some we haven't seen, some we'll see in the Robert B. Lewis. And then we'll probably uh, wind, wind the show up with uh, an interesting group for within this in the San Antonio. So um, again, we're talking with Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum, and we're going to take a little break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, writer and handicapper for the Daily Racing Forum, pretty much exclusively covering the uh, Southern California circuit. He does do some international writing. And the reason we had him on is because so many of the big races this weekend are, are coming up at Santa Anita. 
And uh, right now we're starting to get, you know, piling up the Kentucky Derby points. Uh, this week it is the Robert B. Lewis. But before we jump on to that race, I, I know that Steve's had a chance to, to eyeball some of the top three-year-olds out there. Of course, uh, we did uh, have, have the Sham Stakes as one of our featured races. And uh, Midnight Hawk, who won the Sham, is going to be back in the Robert B. Lewis. Kind of surprised that Christo isn't because I was rather impressed with that three-year-old's effort in there. It looked like uh, after Midnight Hawk went by him, he kind of kicked back in a little bit. It was a big, good-looking horse that sold for half a million at Keeneland. But he's just one horse that I'm sure is going to show up on the Derby Trail out on the West Coast. So, Steve, if you would, are there are there a few gems hiding out there that maybe our listeners don't know about on the West Coast? I do think that it's a pretty good division in California this year. And one horse that I'm anxious to watch run in graded stakes is called California Chrome, who's won his last two starts against California Breds. On December 22nd, on the last day at Hollywood Park, he won the King Glorious Stakes over seven furlongs, uh, very convincingly. And then he came back to win the California Cup Derby at Santa Anita on January 25th and uh, did so very well. He was, he was uh, about a seven-length winner of that race at a mile and a 16th. So he's going to go for the San Felipe Stakes, which is on March 8th, and that builds up to the uh, San Anita Derby at the first Saturday of April. So there's some timeline there for a horse that should show a lot of promise. And, and certainly uh, you can't the, knock state breads. I'm, I'm sure that you had a chance to, to watch the Withers last week, and there were two New York breads who won their last uh, two races by 14 and 16 lengths, and Samrat got the best of Uncle Cy. Both of them are New York breads. So, um, you know, the, uh, the Kentucky Derby is no longer an exclusive club to Kentucky breads, that's for sure. No, it's true. And it's kind of funny to talk about the Kentucky Derby in, you know, during the wintertime now because you think to yourself, well, what point last year did you, were you really convinced that Orb was in your first three selections? Was it by February 6th or was it later in the year? <laughs> and then, then the other, the other well, this is a trick question, but the other thing you say is, at what point in 2009 did you think Mind That Bird was going to win the Kentucky Derby? The 8th pole or the 16th pole? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it's and with like, the point system, he never would have been in the field. That's right. So, you know, and we, and we look at this Robert Lewis Stakes, which is a grade 2, $300,000 going a mile on the 16th. And you look at a horse like, say, Candy Boy, that was second to shared belief in his stakes debut in the cash call fraternity at Hollywood on December 14th, made the lead but got caught and passed by a horse who was in outstanding form. So Candy Boy's in this uh, Robert Lewis field, and he's looked upon as a, as a top contender. Um, are they keeping all this uh, top conversation warm for shared belief, who, whose quarter-cracked foot is starting to improve? That's an interesting well, I hope question. it is. Tell our, tell our listeners uh, about that because obviously he's uh, you know considered the, the the top of the crop, and uh, I'm just kind of getting leaks in the media that uh, you know he's been off his training, but not to worry. Uh, should we not to worry? Well, I think the next seven days are important. Granted, it is only February eighth. There's lots of time left for all the major races that'll be run in April and May. One thing that Jerry Hollendorfer said last Friday. That was part of an article in the Racing Forum last Sunday was, you know, look, it's a long year. There's lots of good three-year-old races. Well, read between the lines, and he says he's not going to pressure this horse overly to make it to the Kentucky Derby. That's an interesting thing to hear a trainer say because so many people focus solely on that race. Uh, He also said that he felt like the foot was making progress and that they'd be able to resume training here. Now, like I said a moment ago, there's been some wet weather in Southern California, uh, rarely, for the last uh, couple of hours. Don't know what the racetrack at Santa Anita will be like tomorrow, but there's a chance that that shared belief tomorrow or this weekend could start resuming some racetrack training. 
you know, he was considered for this Lewis Stakes after the cash call fraternity on December 14th, but he hasn't, he didn't make the race, of course. So maybe he'll make the San Felipe in a month, or maybe he'll just do a different schedule and still be part of the Triple Crown discussion in, in April or May. I, you know, there's betting on the Kentucky Derby this weekend in pool number one, uh, for the, the first pool of the, of the 2014 season. I'd be a little reluctant to put many dollars on shared belief right now because of, of the circumstances that he's facing. He may be fine in two weeks, and it would be a missed opportunity to have left that price on the board. But at the same token, it's not an ideal situation for the, the, you know, the midwinter to be kind of fighting a, a pesky foot problem that, that is soon to be probably behind him. So it's, it's well, I guess the, in the same category, Steve, you can put honor code. Uh, we see yeah. that he's had some setbacks, too, for, uh, uh, for Suge. Uh, down there in Florida, and Cairo Prince came back and was uh, pretty darn impressive in the Holy Bull. Yeah. So those are the circumstances right now for shared belief on, you know, the first week of February. So let's see how it goes over, you know, the month of February and into March, and we'll have a much clearer indication of his condition, you know, I think very quickly. But until then, we get to watch Candy Boy. We get to watch Midnight Hawk, who only beat three rivals in the Sham Stakes, but did so very well. Uh, it was a bit of a match race, really, with Christo. And then, you know, if he runs back to that race, that's, that's going to push him farther up the list of, of Derby hopefuls. One horse that interests me a little bit in the field is called Cool Samurai, who's trained by John Sheriffs for, for Jerry and Ann Moss. He won his uh, second start going a mile at Santa Anita on December 27th, beating a horse called the Admiral, trained by Bob Baffert, who's, who is well regarded. And, and, and Cool Samurai, he looked like a big kid in the race. He looked like he really didn't really have his act together in terms of a fluid stride and, and his... His, his, he was late. At the, he was a little nutty at the start. He was well back and came from off the pace. And John Sheriff said after the races, "I think this is a very nice horse, but he's got a lot to learn yet. So will he have learned a lot in five weeks? We'll know more on Saturday. He could easily hit the board in the Lewis and not win, but make enough progress to probably get some attention in March and April. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but there's a real short window of of of, of time here where you've got to make progress to stay ahead of with the honor codes and the other horses around the country who are going to be assumedly be in the picture you know as we get into the, the spring well um you, you talk about uh, horses that are kind of learning what they're, what they're doing i alluded earlier to the to the sham stakes uh the race that midhawk uh, midnight hawk won um I, People are talking about Midnight Hawk and that he's, he's a rather uh, large, scopy horse and everything. I'm telling you what, when I saw him and Christo matching strides, I thought Christo had two, 300 pounds on that horse. Uh, do you know why uh, Christo's taking a little bit of break away from, from the Robert B. Lewis? Are they pointing for something else with him? I think they're going to go for the San Felipe. It's like a situation where they can skip this race because the stable has Candy Boy and then they can make the next race and see how the season progresses with that. So I wouldn't necessarily take... Christo's absence here is a negative. No, I mean, I, I was really impressed with his physical presence, and I, and I did think that after Midnight Hawk passed him, and he was just a, maybe a little bit green where he drifted in towards the rail right there, it looked like uh, Christo started to stride on a little bit. Not that he was going to win the sham, but uh, certainly he, he, he looks like a horse with, with a whole lot of upside to him, and uh, obviously you sell for half a million dollars, you're not a bad-looking horse. So um, let me put your feet to the flame here. In the Robert B. Lewis, we've got the returning Candy Boy. We've got the Red Knight Midnight Hawk. I just handed you a $50 bill and said you can bet one of them. Where are you going, Steve? I'm at 25 to win in place on Cool Samurai. <laughs> 
All right, you're going the for the odds. The old-fashioned, but yeah, I'll take the 6-1 to one and see if I've got a horse who, who really is going to grow up this quick to be a factor and, uh, and, and, and see if he, can, if he can really kind of pull a little upset here. You know, we, we see a lot of surprises in February and March in these races where horses who have changed and we don't know about it come up and run a big race, and I wonder if he fits that category. I guess we'll know on Saturday for sure, but I'd be willing to bet that he does. Well, yeah, a homebred for the Mosses, trained by John Sheriffs of Zenyatta fame, and uh, uh, certainly there's, there's a lot of back class right there. And uh, it's kind of neat, too, you guys out on the West Coast, uh, you've always had a tough jockey colony, but to, to, to see these guys that got a few years on them, like Mike Smith and Gary Stevens having the season they're having. It's really kind of fun because they're enjoying it, I think, more than the people who are watching them are enjoying it. I saw Smith this morning at the racetrack, helmet on, he'd work some horses. You know, he's, he, and, he and Stevens, their dedication to fitness allows them to continue their careers in their late 40s and 50s. I mean, these guys, you know, they leave the track, and Stevens likes to go for a hike in the mountains above Santa Anita because it's a good, proper uh, piece of exercise. Smith goes to the gym, and, you know, he, he spends 90 minutes, two hours at the gym, you know, working on you know, just his physique, and, and obviously he can't bulk up too much because of the weight factor, but, you know, he does, he does his, his workout that, that allows him to, to, to maintain proper fitness. It's, uh, there aren't many shortcuts with these guys because they're prepared. Unbelievable. You're absolutely right. And whatever, whatever way they're staying fit, they're doing it great, and it's great to see these guys uh, still really at the top of their game and the fact that uh, they're being honored with, with top, top horses, uh, and let's. Uh, I'm getting a cue here from my uh, producer. I got about three minutes, so I'm going to have to hit you with a race that's got a pretty sizable field, which is always good to see for handicappers. And it's the uh, the Grade Two San Marcos. And uh, in this race, uh, there was a horse that put in a huge effort last time. Geronimo with one of my favorite riders, Rafael Bayarano, who started his career in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the U.S. Uh-huh. Um, but he's, he's up against a, a horse, a six-year-old uh, Slim Shady that sure loves Santa Anita and sure loves a mile and a quarter. As a matter of fact, Geronimo has never won at a mile and a quarter. I'm interested in your read on this one. Well, he's never tried it on the turf. In three races at, at a mile and a quarter, Geronimo is beaten in the Sandy to Handicap and the Pacific Classic, so he's never tried a turf mile and a quarter before. That'll be the first time on Saturday. If he runs back to the way he ran in the uh, San Gabriel Stakes over a mile and eighth on Jan 4, when he beats Slim Shady, he'll do very well. I do like Slim Shady. He likes to get out, get, get out on the front, start galloping, and challenge anybody to come and get him. He's going for an unprecedented third consecutive win in this San Marcos Stakes, so he'll be dangerous as well. Please respect Vagabond Shoes, who won the Delmar Handicap last August. He was fifth in the Breeders' Cup turf at, here at San Anita on November 2nd, and he was only beaten two lengths and had a little bit of trouble in there, too. So he, he's one to consider in, in a wide-open race. And, you know, Geronimo certainly belongs at the top of picks. But Lucayan, the French 2000 Guineas winner from the year 2012, he won the Grade 2 Hollywood Turf Cup over a mile and a half uh, back on December 14th. He's, he's got a big chance at a mile and a quarter as well. So... He's, he's one that, that merits response. It's, a, it's an excellent, excellent betting race. My slight pick is Slim Shady over Vagabond Shoes. Slim Shady. I mean, I'm writing this down as, as we okay. speak because <laughs> I, I do, re, do respect uh, your, your, your views on these races. What, what's great about this field, I mean, you have you know, a couple of European former 
imports is uh, the class of these horses and the fact that I just love seeing older horses kept in training. And we, we don't have enough of it. We've got too many short fields. I hate seeing a graded stakes race with six horses going to post or one um, that they can scratch down down to three. Um, what's your feeling about uh, keeping these older horses in training? I think it's got to be more prize money. And with the graded stakes committee, which oftentimes I disagree with what, they, what their philosophies are, they have made a good decision to make these grade two races $200,000 or more. And in doing so, They've given these people enough prize money to, to, make, to incentivize the reason to keep an older horse in training. And uh, that's a good call. It's so expensive for the racetracks, but it's good for you and I as race goers and as racing fans to be able to look at what we want to admire, which is a large field of good horses competing in long-distance races. Mile and a quarter turf races, to me, is the start of the distance category. And uh, so that's, that's a real treat. So at Santa Anita on Saturday, you get a $300,000 San Antonio Stakes led by Game on Dude against six rivals. You get 14 entries in the San Marcos Stakes, which is a good number. And you get seven entries in a proper three-year-old uh, mile and a 16th race that leads to the San Anita Derby and beyond. So the stakes races at Santa Anita are quite good on Saturday. They've had some difficulties with, with overall field size at Santa Anita. They think that's going to probably start to improve, although that's needs to be seen yet. But All right. Well, thanks so much. We're going to talk with Steve Anderson from the Daily Racing Forum. We're running out of time. Steve, thank you so much for being on. Thanks to Hall of Famer John Velasquez, and thanks to all the loyal listeners of Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.